Hello listeners, today we have the pleasure to chat with Lady Lee Tewas Akasha from Penzance in Cornwall about a craft and its importance in her life. Good day my lady, I hope that you and your loved ones are well. Thank you very much for accepting my request for an interview and uh, yeah, I'd just like to know, are you folks still under lockdown? Hi Amija, all is good and well with us on this side, thank you very much. And I'm delighted that you have asked me for this interview. Unfortunately, we are still under lockdown, but that is the way it is. And I'm sure good times will be back again. Have you been able to do business during lockdown? And um, how would you describe your business? Come, we're curious. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to do business during lockdown as I don't um, trade online. But uh, my, my business is a shop. It's actually, I, I call it a curiosity shop because it's a very eclectic shop, a mix of all sorts. Um, a real treasure trove, antiques, vintage, curious, curiosities, and then just all things that's nice. And it's really, I would say it's a magical shop because people are always fascinated when they look in my shop window. So, yeah. 100% whenever I look at the photos of your shop and, you know, over Christmas time, the lights, oh, it was, it was really magical, as you say. And um, now just moving away a little bit from the magic how has lockdown affected the psyche of the british folk in general it has really been very difficult for a lot of people as we are social beings and not being able to commune closely with our friends and loved ones has really been very difficult especially for us shopkeepers where we interact with the public on a daily basis. So yeah, it's been it's, it's really a difficult situation. But we, I suppose we cope and we go on. I can imagine it must be tremendously difficult, you know, being accustomed to saying hello to your fellow shopkeepers, assisting people that come into your shop, the interchange and exchange of energy and ideas. It must be extremely difficult. How can one make a veil of one's spirituality to overcome these trying times? There are various things we can do in our own spirituality to help overcome these trying times. The universe, whether you refer to it as the main source, the God, goddess consciousness, or great spirit, understand all the ancient languages, the languages of today and those yet to come. But it only speaks back to us in one voice, the voice of compassion. Through the voice of compassion, we can overcome these trying times, for sure. I can just elaborate about my own personal experience. About 21 years ago, 
I suffered from breast cancer at a very young age. It was this voice, this same voice of compassion that carried me through that very tremendously difficult time. What a moving answer, my lady. Is this voice of compassion an internal voice? Or does it also speak through the actions of others? Nisha, I would say it's very much an internal voice. But then we're all connected. So it must also be speaking through the actions of others. It's a, the voice that binds us all. I do agree 100%. Um, tell me, were you born and bred in the UK? And when did you move there? No, I was born and bred in South Africa, although I'm a first generation from my father's side. I've moved to Cornwall almost 11 years ago. I've been here before on holidays. And I just recognize the place as being so magical and awesome. And I, I recognize it as my real spiritual home. So I took a great leap of faith and decided I'm going to make the impossible possible. So I came over with two suitcases, a lot of faith, a dash of madness, and a lot of magic. And even my awesome astrologer, fellow South African, which is also now living in the UK, said that if I'm not going to make take that chance, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. So yeah, I'm very happy. I've made that move. Well, I'm very, very happy you made that move. Uh, I've been following you for years on Facebook and I've seen some stunning photographs of your shop and some photographs of you throughout the years wearing bright colored robes at Stonehenge and other ancient sites. What is it like to practice your spirituality at those ancient sites and henges? Can you share some anecdotes with us? Standing there surrounded by these ancient stones is just an awe-inspiring experience. To know the ancients have stood there before us practicing their spirituality just makes it magical really. The energies are amazing, especially during the winter solstice when the stones are covered with snow. I prefer to attend the private celebrations and not the open access celebrations at Stonehenge. I am really fortunate to have friends among the Druids and get an invite on a regular basis to attend their private ceremonies. Cornwall is a different matter altogether. We have three complete stone circles close by and various ancient sites. We can go there anytime, whenever we want to. Yeah, it makes it special. Wow, that sounds absolutely magical. You are indeed very lucky. Tell me, do you often visit these other three circles in Cornwall? And do you do rituals there? Um, I remember in my young days in Europe, I used to travel a lot looking for um, dolmens and menhirs and taking photos of all these things, trying to understand 
um, who had lived there, etc. I was absolutely fascinated, and I still am. But in South Africa, of course, our um, big monoliths are of a different nature. You know, some of them have got pictoglyphs and things. They've got a different historical background. Now, when I was much younger, I bought a book called The Roll Right Rituals, and in it there were black and white photographs of the stones, the history of the place, as well as this fascinating story of the author uh, driving uh, to the stones, or riding rather, on a bicycle surrounded by fireflies. Now that just absolutely stained my mind. Yeah. Yes, Mija, I visit them often and I do rituals at them. Strange things can happen at these ancient sites. I can tell you I've seen those fireflies hovering above my favorite stone circle one evening and it was a truly magical experience. My lady, I'd like to share something with you from a book, a glossary by Gita Puriker that ties back with your um, talk about consciousness, you know, this inner voice. And he says, consciousness in all its forms and protein manifestations, consciousness is spirit matter. Force and matter or spirit and substance are one. Hence, consciousness is the finest and loftiest form of energy. It's the root of all things and is coextensive with cosmic space. It is therefore the foundation and the essence of gods, of monads and of atoms, the three generalized degrees, cosmically speaking, of the universe. A natural corollary from this is that the universe therefore is embodied consciousness or much more correctly we should call it a quasi-infinite aggregate of embodied consciousnesses. Isn't that just perfect for your explanation earlier on in our chat? Thank you very much, Mija, for sharing this wonderful piece about consciousness with me. Are you a witch, a druid, a shaman, a heathen, and is your craft theistic? I would say a little dash of all of them, and then I can even add a cultist. I wouldn't want to call or refer to myself as anything specific. The moment you place yourself into a category, you restrict yourself. Yeah, my craft is polytheistic. Thank you very much for your answers. Funny enough, yesterday I was talking to the convener of the SAPC and we were mentioning, you know, that labels um, tend to gather us together in a group and give us a sense of belonging, but they can also become restrictive at times. So it was interesting that uh, you also brought that up. Thank you very much. Tell me, um, how would you describe your approach to magic and what role do the ancestors play in your spiritual routine? My approach to magic, I would say, is a journey without any boundaries. There are no limits. Magic is a neutral force. It can be used for any purpose. 
It requires cunning, manipulation, self-awareness and adaptable morals. If you can't find it within, you will never find it without. Make this neutral force part of your essence, your core, your very being, and it will become as natural as the very air you breathe. My ancestors play a, play a huge role in my spiritual routine. I talk to them rather often. I've known them since my early childhood, but some of them used to scare me. Then at the age of 16, I realized they were there to protect me. They now make me smile. Now, I don't do any rituals to communicate with the ancestors. I think it's more daily. Well, basically not every day, but it's more a part of my daily routine. And yeah, the earliest stage in my life, they were talking too much. I had to, I had to shoot them because they were just getting too much. But now it's, you know, they're there. If they want to talk or give me advice, they will do that. So I would say, yeah, part of my living, daily routine. I never get to see or hear my ancestors. I'm just very aware of their presence. Um, you know, when I have certain feasts or celebrate their birthdays, I put out their favorite f uh, food and drinks. And um, yeah, aside a couple of occasions in which I've heard a voice and turned around and thought, you know, I heard someone speak my name, I've never really had an experience like that. And uh, when I had COVID, I remember uh, I was asleep on the Lazy Boy because I, I had difficulty breathing. And I had a lucid dream and saw my mother, my grandparents and my mother's cousin sitting in the living room looking down at me on the Lazy Boy, looking very concerned. And I thought, oh goodness, they've come to fetch me. <laughs> and I still want to see my my son getting married so I shot up sat up and of course and they were not there I know their essence had come to visit me and um, they must have been concerned about my my health you know I was in a very bad place at that moment but yes um, it's, it's always interesting and when I, I feel like communicating say with my mother I think about her and talk to her as if she were in the next room now, that may just sound like you know I'm a little bit loony tunes but for me it's a matter of <clears throat> energy and we are energy we are consciousness we never die energy never dies you know it just transforms so what I knew as my mother continues and it's everywhere um, so when I do want to talk to her I just talk to her as if she were in the next room in the next realm in the next universe however we we want to call it uh, My lady, I'd like to ask a personal question, if I may. Are you free to celebrate your spirituality openly in Cornwall? And I don't mean at remote sites. What I mean, 
Are you free to tell your clientele and your neighbors and fellow shop owners that um, you're a pagan? Or is there still some form of um, prejudice towards people of alternative faiths? Yes, Mija, very much so. My neighbors and fellow shopkeepers know exactly who I am. I even have a sign in my shop window saying, this shop is protected by the neighborhood witch. No prejudice whatsoever. But then Penzance is a quirky town full of open-minded people. We even have two major festivals in our town celebrating the summer solstice, Galawan in Cornish and Montal, the winter solstice. People come from all over the country to celebrate these festivities throughout the streets of Penzance. Not for nothing is the Museum of Witchcraft also in Cornwall. That is so, so lovely. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. In our country, we still don't have that sort of freedom. The Bill of Rights and the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa guarantees freedom of religion. And our organizations like SAPRA and the SAPC and many others are recognized. They've been officially recognized and they are registered. But the prejudice that still exists within society uh, from within other religious groups, the mainstream religions in particular, um, and the small-mindedness of the average Joe, you know, the employer, your colleagues, etc., the school teacher where children are concerned, and parents of other children who won't let their child play with your child, you know, provokes a lot of suffering still. So I feel it is extremely important to celebrate Pagan Freedom Day. What is your opinion on this? Don't you feel that celebration is a form of ensuring that our rights did not get progressively eroded? Let's not forget that we still have an occult crimes um, unit in the country and that the 19-foot sack uh, witchcraft act is still in vigor. They don't apply it, but it's still there. It's a sort of Damocles hanging, hanging over our heads. Yes, it is very important to celebrate Pagan Freedom Day. I've attended a few of them. You should keep the tradition alive. I'm just very fortunate to celebrate my spirituality openly, and so should everyone else. Give energy into it and just keep on going. Thank you so very much, my lady. I was about to ask you if you had some message for South African pagans regarding Pagan Freedom Day. And there you read my mind and <laughs> you gave us a beautiful message. Thank you so very much. I'd also like to say thank you so much for this time spent together. What a charming interview. I'm sure people are going to really enjoy it. May you and your loved ones be blessed abundantly. Hail, sir. Thank you very much, my lovely, for asking me to do this interview. I'm going to say a few words of the ancients before I bid you farewell. Hail today, hail today, sons. 
haughty knight and daughter of night, with shining eyes look upon all of us standing here and grant us victory while we live. Hail to you gods, hail goddesses, hail the much-need earth, thanks and sagewit give to us and healing hands in this life. And that, listeners, was Lady Lee Tewa Sakasha from Penzance in Cornwall. I hope you enjoyed it and see you again next Thursday.